you know, like capturing paranormal activity. Oh, damn, I'd love to do that. Sometimes. Yeah, and I'm guessing after a few drinks, I, uh, you, you know, you're more susceptible. You're more open to the spirit world. I've had a lot of things like that actually oh, yeah? in my life. Yeah, that's a whole other podcast. I've interrupted a meeting of the three drinkers to uh, have her interview me. Uh, I'm going to interview her, so that's very nice. Helena is an award-winning wine and spirits writer and one-third of the three drinkers, which is a show on Amazon Prime available for you to watch now. So, Helena, hey. Hi there. How are you? I am very well, thank okay. you. How are you? Nice I'm all right. You. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so, we're going to talk about a few things here. Your involvement in the womeninthefoodindustry.com upcoming panel, uh, something people should keep in mind, and, but just generally about how you got into being a writer when, and your interest in, in uh, drinks, and let's take it from there. Sure. So you were saying before we started recording, mm -hmm. uh, you're coming at this uh, from an acting background, am I correct? Yeah, Okay. absolutely. Uh, sort of drinks happened by mistake, but um, it was a very happy accident, really. Yes. Living in Italy, doing my language degree, did a play, basically, and um, sort of fell in love with wine at the same time as really falling in love with acting. Went to drama school, but mm -hmm. made sure my other job, because you know you always need to have another job, mm. made sure that was in a wine shop, a French and Italian wine shop, because those were my those okay. were my languages, and did both for years. But always, well, eventually, I had to pick wine um, because because the acting wasn't really going so well, shall we say. Um, maybe I wasn't that great, but I vowed that one day I'd bring the performance element back with the wine once okay. I'd really sort of got to know the subject. Sure. And that's what's happening now. Yeah. It's taken oh, me fantastic. 16 years. Okay. So obviously you're not originally from Rome. No. Uh, you're from the UK? You're from London? Uh, no, yeah, I'm Ish. from Essex. Sadly, Essex. Okay. I, I can't say I'm from Rome. <laughs> well, all roads lead there, apparently. But, uh, <laughs> so you ended up there, you're, you're working in acting. And you just, you would go out for a drink and realize that Italian wine is great, or how did, yeah, and you had that job. Well, so. for bearing in mind, I mean, I'm showing my age here, but this was back in 1999, when in London at the time, we didn't have the beautiful enotekas that we have now, you know, yes. where we can taste wines by the glass, we can do flights, mm -hmm. and there's that educational element to drinking wine. Um, and where I lived in Trastevere in Rome, it was right next to one of those places where it offered you three glasses of wine, three reds, they were all Italian, and all you knew about them were that they were different grape varieties. And so I would spend my time playing spot the difference. And I, and I, it gave me a hook to learn about wine, mm -hmm. grape variety. Okay, I can do this. And sure. that is still the way I teach wine okay. now. So you teach wine, uh, how do you teach wine? Where do you teach wine? Well, I've been writing about it sort of ever yes. since, but um, I run a lot of courses and events and things. I did that for a while while I taught myself how to write. That okay. was kind of that that was the idea really and um, but I've always approached it from from grape variety first actually get to know the personalities of the world's most famous grapes and then all the rest will make a lot more sense okay mm. well my experience I'm sure you know a lot a lot more than me my experience particularly with Italy it's it's a complicated thing and it's hard to tell even you can find a bottle whether it's sold for five euros or 75 euros, it's still hard to tell the quality and that sort of thing. So how did you learn to navigate 
how to read a label, how to determine value for money, before beyond even sort of what goes well with what dish, that sort of thing. By drinking a lot. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no. Trial well, and error. Mm, uh, well, just but paying attention, really. I think the way I often describe it is is a little bit like driving. I think anyone who drives nowadays, they've you, you, you just sort of do it automatically and you don't necessarily think about it. I think the way people drink wine at the beginning, they're, they're not paying attention to the cues, they're not reading the labels. Mm-hmm. Um, but I made a conscious effort to sort of know exactly what I was drinking every time and I started reading a little bit of wine stuff but it was still okay. very complicated at that yeah. stage. And eventually the biggest thing for me was getting a job in a wine shop with someone yeah, sure. who knew what they were, talk- they were talking about and could answer all my very boring questions. Okay, and then I also guess you're receiving all these so-called boring questions from people coming in buying wine to yes. you, you learn that yeah, way as well. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, because at the beginning you don't even know the questions to ask really. Right. And so, yeah, you're absolutely right. It was the customers asking the questions that I'd be like, oh, yes, very good. Well, what are some good questions to ask to find out what you like in wine or one likes in wine? Um, let's see. Well, I, I guess people normally start with what they're eating. That's people often come into a wine shop and say, "Okay, I'm having this, or I want to cook this for mm-hmm. dinner. What what goes well with it?" And then it's sort of it's really thinking about what will go with it and why. And it's, it, and then you, you know, I worked out from listening to my boss that it was about matching body, so a big, heavy, meaty dish with quite a well structured and sort of very quite tannic red wine. And then you learn by listening what the options he'd always give three or four options of what those might be. And so mm. you sort of remember, OK, so Cabernet Sauvignon is a grape that is like that. I will remember that. Sure. You know, that okay. kind of thing. Yeah, favorite wine. I'm not supposed to have favorite wines. No. They're like my children. Um, <laughs> but I do have. Yeah. I mean, if I tell you that both of my children are named after Italian wines, that sort of gives a ah. gives us <laughs> okay. a clue about to about. I particularly love Italian red wines. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. From the north, the south, all over. Tuscany. 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 Okay. All right. Um, wow. Yeah. Well, I did particularly at that moment in time, but um, I love wines from anywhere, really. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. Piemonte has some amazing yeah. reds with respect to my palate. Mm. Yeah. Well, that was that's another place, you know, really aged proper Nebbiolo, mm. Barolos, and things oh, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're yeah. they're amazing. Yeah. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. So. Here you are, you've started this career as a wine writer and uh, wine enthusiast, let's say. Now you've got the show, uh, The Three Drinkers. You want to talk a little bit about what that yes, is sure. in That's your role? Okay. You're one of them. I am. I'm a, I'm a drinker. You may have got this impression already. <laughs> I shouldn't really be hammering that point home too hard. Um, the Three Drinkers Do Scotch Whiskey. It's our brand new show on Amazon Prime that we launched on the 26th of November. Okay. And with a fourth um, fourth episode that's just come out in in January, on January the sixteenth, we launched that. So really, we are three friends who've been in the drinks trade for years. The other two presenters the other, are the other two presenters. Um, Ad Smith, mm-hmm. Adrian Smith. He also is the drinks columnist for the Independent okay, and sure. um, the, was the first ever global brand ambassador for Vivino, for example. And the other is Colin Hampton White, who was the the very first editor of Whiskey Quarterly magazine. He chairs the circle of wine writers, etc. So we've all been in the trade for years. Sure. Wines and spirits. Whisk, uh, Colin Had a few is drinks together over the years. Couple. A couple. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and um, Colin, Colin is very much pro whiskey. You know, he is Scottish. Sure. Um, not that he particularly sounds it, but he is. And he just said, "Guys, I know you. You want to do some telly." Um, I do as well. I think we can make whiskey happen and I think we can do it quickly. So we had this idea in Milroy's in Soho. We had a couple of drams. And then 
the next morning it was still a good idea and so we didn't really know what we we're doing so we just made it <laughs> but you've now made a whole season yes okay oh, yeah. how many episodes that it's four at the moment four. We're, we're adding two to it this year okay and we're currently um developing the next series which won't necessarily be about whiskey no no okay. it will be about all drinks probably oh, okay. there are a couple of ones on the table at the moment um we're hoping for california okay um possibly bordeaux and England. It's just a question of which one's going to come off first. Okay, mm -hmm. that's exciting. Yeah, it's going well. Successful. Yes, yeah. yes. Well, we just got back from LA where we just we launched um, Scotch out there um, yeah. to sort of a very, very different audience as well, and we're speaking to them about California as well. More tan. Out there yeah. <laughs> it was really cold. <laughs> it was so cold. Oh really? Yes. It was. Everyone was really freak weather. Um, yeah, that which was upsetting given that we were leaving ice and snow, but. Um, no, it went down really well, and we've mm. had some great leads from it. So we're okay. we're and we're literally we're back this week. We're just now okay. starting work on pushing Scotch and thinking about the next series. Okay, well that's exciting. And I think, uh, like I was telling you before we started the interview, I went to one of the screenings uh, when the sh when the show was launched, and I remember somebody saying something like, "You're like." however many markets it is you're essentially it's like everywhere in the world except maybe like north korea or something right? yes that's the big surprise yeah. for us because we were expecting you know given the way that we've made the show for it to be in like four countries and territories i think england germany um us but it's now in 167 countries and territories and wow. 39 languages that we're just about to upload. The so are you dubbed? The ja some of them. Jap Japan. <laughs> yeah. How's that? I don't know yet. I can't okay. wait to see it. Oh, it that's hasn't, exciting. It hasn't, um, it hasn't finished quite uh -huh. yet. I mean, well, they finished the dubbing. They're now just sort of mixing it. Oh, I love it. Um, apparently, Japanese me is super famous. I'm very happy. All right. Are you big in Japan? <laughs> I will be hopefully Wonderful. my voice will be big in, oh no yes my voice oh the, is big the in voice Japan. of you in Japan is someone who's famous yes oh, okay oh, I'm so. not yeah. <laughs> yet 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 not yet uh okay wow well you are you're so you're one third of the the three drinkers mm -hmm. uh one woman among two men so that's a pretty good ratio in the drinks industry and uh, another thing we were talking about for the interview it's a sausage party yeah <laughs> I like come in for me so like as a man, uh, as a sausage, as a representative sausage in the room right now, there's like, you know, like I do a lot of, of travel writing and food writing. I'm, I'm in this sort of social media world. It's it's fairly well represented by women, I find, until I get to the drinks. And then, like we're saying, it's a lot of men. So I'm guessing it's it's not as bad as maybe it even used to be when you first started. What's that like, particularly men who've had a few drinks? Yes. Well, first of all, my <laughs> yeah. autobiography is now going to be called Sausage Party. Uh, excellent. Um, but I've seen a really interesting shift because obviously I started 16 years ago and so much has happened since then. You know, obviously first when I when I got that job in the wine shop, when uh, when I just got back from Italy, um, obviously everyone who worked there, they, they were all men. The people who came in to buy the wine were all men as well. And that it was really, it was then moving to to Counter Magazine and mm -hmm. then from there on to a, a well-known wine merchant, that's when I really saw what the industry was like because it was going to tastings, going to sort of official press tastings, sure. mostly like for the trade, where there would be like five women in the room and, you know... Out well, of hundreds, dozens, couple, hundreds. Yeah, okay. yeah, sometimes a hundred or so. And not just the winemakers, but, you know, the people, to every, everyone tasting, the people sort of talking about it. And there was a real air of... Everyone knew what they were talking about, and then any question was really stupid, really. They, mm. It was quite patronising, and as a young then girl, mm. um, I didn't even know what questions to ask, and it was, it was not open, 
in any way. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't feel I could even ask any questions and information wasn't offered when I was tasting. It was almost like, why do you need to even know this? You know, they weren't trying to, it was a bit patronizing to be yeah. perfectly honest. And it was just, it was going to more and more of those things and seeing how people ran those tastings and the way that they did them, which was very, the information that came first eventually was all very logical in a way, you know, that makes sense. Like how, how is a wine made malolactic fermentation, oak barrels and things. And it's sort of, you work up. But when I saw, when I saw them, them the trade, then talking to consumers like that, I, and especially like women, I know, because I think we all work in, in quite a different way. Mm. The logical thing does make sense. And I think men really do like to sort of work work at things like this is how it starts and this is how it finishes. But what I realised, it took and it took quite a long time to realise, is that actually you, you don't start with that. And in my experience in Rome with the great varieties that I was talking about as well, I thought, I'd, what if you start with a bit that everyone really wants to know, the fun bit, when you, like... Uh, the personality of the grape you yeah. know, or, or what you're going to eat it with kind of things and you you, you start with a fun you start with a, the like the grape variety and paint a picture give it a personality tell it a story and then from on that you hang the winemaking and on that you hang the viticulture mm-hmm. things because then it sort of makes it makes a lot more sense yeah sure 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 and you can always go deeper if you want yeah, yeah. exactly so i Actually, so this wine merchant gave me a great opportunity in that they said, does anyone in the buying team want to have a go at teaching people in, in the class? And, and in the class, oh God, going back to school, it was a little bit like that. But, you know, any, anyone yeah. in, in the business. Uh-huh. And this is a very male-heavy business. Most of the people who came to that course were women because I hmm. put my hand up and said I was going to run it. So in, in, interesting, that was very interesting that as a young person was running the course it seemed to open the door to a lot more people. And I experimented with this way of, in my slightly unique way. Less, of, you were less intimidating. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I guess so. And I don't think I was patronizing. And I just, I sort of I experimented with my way of talking about wine. Mm-hmm. And the feedback was so good, I left and set up my own company in the Fantastic. nutshell. Yeah, Excellent. and 99% of my tastings are word of mouth. Okay. And they're mostly women that get mm, me back. Mostly in London. And most, mostly in London, mm. sometimes abroad, but it's it tends to be sort of I'll go go into Google to do like a team thing, and then sure. someone from there will take me to their mm-hmm. hen party or to their you know their sort of often female entrepreneurial networking thing, and I'll, you know and I'll start off all of those meetings. It'll be the the bonding thing that they do. Fantastic. But yeah, it's been really interesting how it, even with the whiskey show, I've had so much feedback about you know thank you for sort of talking about whiskey in a slightly different way and it means actually i've now got someone who i can ask the question to yeah that i know isn't going to be patronizing and and i can i feel safe asking a question and i don't feel i'm going to be put down wonderful wonderful so well how can people find out more about your your tastings the show everything you yes um, well i mean three drinkers.com all the information about the show is there with a link to the app to amazon prime but you can watch it now on amazon prime sure and personally i am at the winebird on twitter and at Mm -hmm. winebird on instagram as well Uh, three drinkers are on instagram as well as the three drinkers and and twitter So yeah, but you Google Winebird, Helen and Nicklin, three drinkers, it'll all be there. 
Excellent. That's great. And also, womenandthefoodindustry.com, you're going to be participating Absolutely. in the upcoming panel. Yes. So check that out, too. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, it's lovely to meet you. Good to you chat. Too.